are listening to the Cleveland Guardians FanCast, hosted by Quincy Wheeler and Friends, a podcast about the Cleveland professional baseball team and its fans. Welcome to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast or at Quincy Wheeler One on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Ah, sorry again, had a little bit of a sleepless few nights there. Got a baby that's not figuring out how to sleep through the night, so I didn't quite get an episode out yesterday. But certainly excited to see the Guardians and how they performed against the Astros, taking two out of three. Big homestand with lots of big crowds, lots of excited people there. And, man, it's just good to see that all the people that said that the name change was going to kill the team's attendance and destroy the fan base were dead wrong. There's lots of Cleveland Guardians fans all over the place of all shapes and sizes, all backgrounds, all lifestyles, and I love it. I love to see it. Had somebody on Twitter telling me that the homestands were so big because they were playing the Red Sox and the Astros. The Red Sox draw fans. That's true. The Astros, there's a fair amount of Astros fans in the world. But I was at the game on Friday and saw a handful of Astros fans. If you listen to any of those games, you did not hear a strong contingent of Red Sox or Astros fans, even in the games that the Astros and Red Sox fans won. This was Cleveland folks for the vast majority coming out for some great times, some giveaways, some fireworks, uh, some, you know, all the all the events that they had those who were celebrating Pride Night, all those who were there, they were there to have fun and enjoy the game and be Guardians fans. So we should be grateful about that and excited about that. And I certainly am. The team is starting to turn things around, it looks like. I think this will be a big road trip to show that they've turned things around as they can take a couple games in San Diego and take at least one game in Arizona. Or however it turns out, if they can take at least half the games, you know, go on a 500 road trip, then I think you'll feel pretty good about where this team is headed into the next homestand. And then hopefully in the homestand, they can crawl their way up over 500 uh, or at least to 500. And that would be a great way to go through the rest of June being a team that's finally figured out how to be a winning ball club. I think the twins are definitely showing cracks in their armor as far as injuries go. Some guys regressing and not afraid of the Tigers, don't think the White Sox have what it takes to hang in the long term, although they'll probably put up a fight more than people expect. So I do think that the Guardians have a path for a division. It's just the big thing is seeing if this offensive explosion or regression towards the mean in a good way is sustainable, and to make sure some of the guys that the team's really counting on figure things out. So today I've got some bold predictions for you for the rest of the year. And uh, I shouldn't probably say bold because some of them probably aren't that bold. But they are things that, you know, we maybe have some debates about and uh, we'll see how things go. So I do think that Bo Naylor gets called up for the next homestand to be the main starter with Cam Gallagher. 
I think for a while, the team will probably carry Mike Zanino as the third catcher in the David Fry role, where David Fry is right now, and then probably move on from him around the trade deadline. If somebody wants him for a backup catcher, they'll trade him. If not, they'll designate him for assignment. So probably through the month of July and the end of June, Mike Zanino will be that third catcher role. And then after the trade deadline, they'll move somebody else into that spot in the roster, whether it's an infielder or an outfielder for the stretch run. So I think Bo Naylor will come up. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll probably hit in that 85 WRC plus range, which will be a big improvement over what we've seen from Cleveland catchers so far and overall for a while. He'll have some defensive hiccups. He'll have some learning to do, but I think he's an extremely hard worker and he'll figure it out. I wrote an article, I'll link it in the description of the episode, looking at James Harris's comments to Zach Meisel questions, trying to discern what the team's doing with Bo Naylor. I don't really think that it's Super 2, which Super 2 is to try to suppress his arbitration earnings. They already have a year of control, so it's not about a year of control. It's just gaining extra million dollars. I think that's kind of a side benefit. I think it's mainly, as just about everybody's saying, I think it's mainly about showing respect to Mike Zanino, trying to make sure you don't give up on a guy that you made your second biggest free agent signing of the offseason. And uh, so I think that's probably mainly what it is. And Zanino maybe gets this road trip to show if he's going to at all figure things out. I suspect they also know that he's recovering from injury and it's not going as well or smoothly as he and they had hoped but there might be signs that they're saying okay maybe you know he's not necessarily as bad as he's looked tito mentioned that tristan mckenzie wasn't doing a good job holding runners and so zanino was rushing his throws and that's why he made so many bad throws on that saturday game i'm sure that's true but you know we've seen all season that he's not really the player that we'd hoped he'd be so I, I think that's kind of where we are. We'll see Bo Naylor next homestand, and that'll be a great thing. I think that Ahmed Rosario is about to get hot. I think he's probably going to go on a tear and hit 350 for a while. Looks like he's finally decided to lay off the sliders down in the way for a little bit, and when he does that, he usually gets pretty hot. I think he'll probably stay with the team the whole year, and I know people are disappointed about that. I do think Tito will probably find a little more ways to get Arias some bats at shortstop as the season goes on and Freeman as well. Get Ahmed some more days at DH, maybe let Naylor rest a little bit more. It's hard as it is to take his bat out of the lineup, but if Josh Bell's hitting, you can probably afford to do that a little bit. Not, not all the time, but just rest him here and there to help him hold up and uh, get Ahmed some bats at DH or maybe even a game or two where he sits. Tito sat. Jose Ramirez on Sunday, and I know people complain about that, but I'm always happy when he gives Jose Ramirez a day off now and then. That's the way that you get guys to hold up the whole season is you give them a day off, give them a day to just be off their feet and not have to play every single game right in a row. So I always approve of that happening, and he could do that to help Ahmed, Jose, Naylor, and Bell stay healthy and get some of these young bats in the lineup. Tyler Freeman's look great at the plate. He looks like a guy who's starting to figure things out, who's hitting the ball hard every time he gets a chance, and that's pretty exciting. If you can have Tyler Freeman be your utility player, I mean, that's like Ben Zobrist-level utility player, and that guy had a big hand in helping the Cubs win that 2016 World Series, being able to play anywhere on the diamond and being able to hit the ball hard. 
I love that role for Freeman, and it'll be really fun to see Arias or Rocchio or Freeman, I guess, for that shortstop role. I don't know who it's going to be in the long term, but it certainly is exciting to see Arias showing what he's capable of doing at the plate, taking walks, hitting the ball hard, and uh, putting up on 113 WRC plus since the beginning of May. If that's who he is, then he's the future shortstop. I don't have much doubt about it. I do think that Rokio is eventually going to find his power, but it's completely disappeared at Columbus. So he's got to work on figuring out how to lift that ball and hit it a little harder before he becomes a player we all think that he can be. He could be part of a big trade deal. You never know. And it was interesting. Meisel said something about maybe the team trading some of their top prospects to get another pitcher, and that would be surprising. If they trade a pitcher, they're getting another pitcher, but you can never have too much pitching depth. Something to watch and think about for sure. Speaking of that, my prediction is that Aaron Savali gets traded uh, before the trade deadline. I don't think Bieber gets traded. I think it'll be Savali, and I say that as somebody who loves Aaron Savali. I think Aaron Savali can be a number two starter. I love everything he offers the team. His injuries, his health history are concerning, of course. I do think with where he is in his contract situation, with the injuries that he's had and where the team is as far as needing a young power bat, that Aaron Savali is probably the best choice to go and get you that player. I definitely watch out for Baltimore. I also think that you could see like a really creative deal between like Cleveland, Texas, and Tampa Bay, like three contenders all dealing so that Texas can get Aaron Savale and Tampa Bay can get some young guys that they like from Texas. The Texas doesn't really fit so well with Cleveland. And then Tampa Bay can offer a bat that Cleveland wants because Cleveland's always liking the Tampa Bay system. I think you could see something like that happen. But otherwise, yeah, it's the Orioles. It's the Cardinals. Probably not the Cardinals because they seem to be falling apart. It's the Orioles. It's the Angels, maybe, if you can get Joe Adele from the Angels. I still love Joe Adele. Um, Those are all the teams, and I'll I'll keep thinking about that, like who it could be that I'd especially be paying attention for as we head into the trade deadline. Never count out the Mariners from being involved in things. So I, I do think that Aaron Savali is the name to watch out for as far as a trade goes, and that's probably my boldest prediction. This one may be a little bold. I think George Valera gets called up shortly after the All-Star break. It may not be a long-term call-up, especially if they make a deal, but I do think that he'll probably be healthy enough to be with the minor league team in Columbus this week and hopefully stay healthy for a couple weeks here, show what he's capable of. I guess that in that case it would be like three or four weeks that he'll show what he's capable of, and then he'll get called up to spend some time getting some at-bats in right field, getting some at-bats maybe here and there in center, or if they move Brennan. I think if they call Valera up, then they would actually be saying, okay, we're going to move Straw to more of a bench role as we've been calling for. I do think that's a possibility. I know that people probably are rolling their eyes thinking that that could actually happen, but I do think that's a possibility if Valera is ready. It's disappointing that Gonzalez hasn't really put things together at Columbus. I wouldn't rule out seeing him at some point as well. Maybe he gets a call up before Valera, but that's going to be my bold prediction that Valera ends up there. I think we'll see some piggyback rolls for a little bit at some point. We'll see one of our young pitchers spend a little time on the IL for something that's not a big deal, but just you know, giving them some rest to try to get them to the point where they can help in the playoffs. And then we'll see Gavin Williams brought up at some point after the trade deadline. They'll figure out a way to get these young pitchers uh, able to help the team 
to the playoffs for the guys that stay healthy, and hopefully they can stay healthy. They can all stay healthy through the whole year. I bold prediction. I do think Tanner Bybee or Logan Allen will end up winning rookie of the year for the American league. They'll just figure out a way they'll really, one of them will really put it together towards the end of the year. They'll pitch for the team the whole year and one of them will win rookie of the year. I think that would be super exciting. Cleveland would be really happy to see that. And those guys definitely deserve recognition for what they've been able to do for the team and how they've been able to help the team turn things around. Uh, so I'm trying to think if there's any other bold predictions that I have. I think those are the main things. I, I do feel pretty good about the idea of contender deals happening in the trade deadline. I think is because there's so many teams that are contenders and because there's so many small mark. I mean, so, so many teams that are not good that don't really have a lot to sell that you'll see a lot of contender deals. You know, if you're Cleveland you're looking for a right-hand hitter. Maybe you look at Brent Rooker from the A's. That's not my favorite option, but it's probably an attainable option, especially if you're willing to if they're willing to take like an Angel Martinez, who I like, or Jose Tania, especially build a deal around him and another player. Um, that could happen. I don't think he's worth a ton, but he definitely hits left-handed pitching, and that certainly is a need that could happen. They'd have to move Quan to center probably to get him much in the lineup, and I don't know that they do that. Lane Thomas is interesting from the Nationals. He's, you know, your classic platoon option against left-handed pitching. So he's a guy you could pair with Brennan in right field, and then you're set up pretty well there against left-handed pitching. I could see that possibly happening from the Nationals. The Nationals need just about everything in their system. So I could see that deal being built, but it's not something that necessarily changes your trajectory of your lineup as far as slugging goes which is what i think we all want but a lane thomas deal is a safe floor deal versus a joe adele deal which is a risky ceiling deal and certainly the guardians tend to be pretty cautious and safe about things and they've dealt with the nationals before so i, I could see that possibly happening it's certainly a name to keep in mind but i do hope they swing big for a guy who can swing big to really help uh, change the, you know, just the ability, slugging potential of the future of this team because that is the long-term need. Oh, I forgot, speaking of slugging potential, I do think that Josh Naylor ends up with the highest war of any first baseman in the American League. Uh, I, I Let's say the non-Yandy Diaz category. The non-Yandy Diaz category, I think that Josh Naylor will be your top uh, war first baseman in the American League. Really excited about what he's shown. Hope he can stay healthy and think he's going to perform well for the rest of the season. Well, let me know what you think about those bold predictions, and we'll be back tomorrow with the Guardians party line. This has been the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Please remember to like, subscribe, download, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.